Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You are listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Ad Week podcast where we talk about advertising, marketing, pop culture, television, just about anything, because in the end, just almost everything is an ad. Uh, I am David Greiner. I'm an editor with adweek.com. With me today, we've got Tim Nudd, our creative editor. Tim, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Christina Monlos, a staff writer with Adweek. Christina, welcome. What's up? And Alfred Mascaroni, our director of video. Alfred, thanks for joining us today. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I uh, wanted to dive into some fun news coming out this week. Well, fun, depending on which side of the uh, win you were on. Uh, McDonald's switched agencies. After 35 years, uh, they are moving from Leo Burnett to DDB. Uh, that's a pretty big jump. Uh, at this point, Leo Burnett was down. I, they say that McDonald's was about 7% of their business, so this is not necessarily a catastrophic loss for them. I think it's a client that had been transitioning but still, you don't see a whole lot of relationships lasting this long, right, Tim? Yeah, that's true. I mean, DDB's also been doing uh, ads for them for a long time, and so has TVWA. A lot of different agencies ha- have. Um, but it is a blow to Leo Burnett for sure. Um, you know, it's the, the account's really going to Omnicom, and they're setting up this sort of super agency inside Omnicom that sounds pretty interesting. But for Burnett, it's a sad day. They've, they've done a lot of great work on that, on that brand. Yeah, for a Chicago-based agency to lose kind of the ultimate Chicago brand is a blow, but Leo's got a lot of great work coming up. Uh, you know, they've been doing Always, which they've gotten a tremendous amount of attention and acclaim for. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, client work coming out of them, uh, but still a dramatic change. And big news for Omnicom and for DDB, uh, as you mentioned, Tim, they're going to be opening up a kind of a special agency uh, division to handle, sounds like just to handle McDonald's work. Uh, so that should be a, a pretty interesting transition for them. Yeah, and, you know, I, and I also want to say just now that, that this is sort of the RIP for Burnett on on McDonald's, I just want to sort of recognize some of their work. My yeah. favorite McDonald's ad ever was actually a TBWA spot, uh, the, <laughs> the one from 2010 with the, the guy driving through. He's got the baby in the back seat, and he's driving through the drive-thru over and over because he knows if he stops the car, the baby's going to wake up. It was a it was like an Emmy nominee for commercial. It was amazing. Um, you know, but Leo Burnett did a lot of great McDonald's work over the years. They just did the all-day breakfast stuff, which I actually thought was pretty decent. Um, but the two things that I wanted to mention, and props to Burnett for this, was was the out-of-home work they did about a decade ago. They did the, the sundial billboard. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it, uh, it had sort of all the different menu items uh, uh, across the day kind of spread out in a fan across the billboard. And there was a kind of a stick at the top and the sun would cast a shadow would cast a shadow of the golden arches on each menu item depending on what time of day it was that was amazing and then a couple of years later in 2008 they did the fresh salads billboards where they created 
um, basically a vertical garden, and they they grew a bunch of lettuce on this billboard, and it was hilarious. And it was just one of those awesome ideas. Uh, Mark Tutzel, who's now the global CCO of Burnett, was involved in a lot of that stuff, and uh, it's really a great legacy for Burnett. So kudos to them for so many years of great work. But did anyone eat that lettuce? Like, what happened to the lettuce? I hope they did not eat the lettuce, but m- maybe they did. Follow the lettuce. Uh, what, how would you describe kind of the state of McDonald's advertising these days, Christina? I mean, McDonald's recently was trying to show that if you're a parent and you are serving your kid McDonald's, it's cool because you ate McDonald's too. Um, and that was something that it, it was it was an interesting concept. Yeah, nostalgia play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the split screen was cool, though. I thought their most recent ad was super weird because it was like, uh, it kind of seemed like a love story between a dad and its daughter. And like, that wasn't entirely clear until you got to the end and you were like, oh, that's a dad. That's not actually about like a boy from the 70s loving this girl from now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was weird. It got a little awkward. Well, well, much. McDonald's has a weird thing too. It's sort of like Coca-Cola, where you know it's not really good for you. So the better the advertising is, the more queasy it kind of makes you feel sometimes. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that. It was like during the during the Olympics when there are all these Coca-Cola ads going on. I mean, if I were an Olympic athlete, I wouldn't really go near a bottle of Coke. Well, the weirdest thing is because uh, Coke was kind of the sole beverage provider for the Olympics. So in the Olympics Village, there were these stories coming out at the beginning that like it was all it was all Coke products, which is again kind of weird that. Olympians would ever drink that, but then also no coffee. Like, can you imagine you, you get there, you've traveled overseas, and there's, sorry, do you want a Coke? Well, no, not at 7 a.m., and definitely not before going pole vaulting. Weren't there also stories about Olympic athletes eating McDonald's? Wasn't that also a thing? Yeah, like happening? long lines, long lines yeah, waiting they were, they were, for McDonald's. They wanted it. They're loving it. I mean, that's the marketing challenge, though, right, for, for Omnicom going forward is to to take a brand like this that's gotten so much flack over the years and, and try to make it uh, palatable, so to speak. To the- I personally feel like McDonald's has suffered creatively from the same thing as Coke, which is not to say their ads are bad. It's just that they are trying for this global universality with their ads that is just kind of forgettable. Like, it, So the best McDonald's spots are the ones coming out of like the Philippines or coming out of these very specific markets where they tell a story and they're really interesting. Uh, and same with Coke. You know, the best Coke ads come out of these very specific markets uh, in South America. But these, the American push tends to be, this is an ad campaign we can roll out globally. It's so universal. It's got almost nothing specific to it. And I get that. I get the value of creating stuff that you can roll out all over the world. But it's also forgettable and boring. And I would say the last few years, uh, really just McDonald's and Coke work hasn't really done much for me. You're not loving it. No. <laughs> Well, it's that challenge and also trying to be like, hey, guys, like if you indulge, it's not that bad. Like our food isn't terrible. And they've they've made strides with their food. And that's what the whole Canadian campaign was about. Right. Being transparent about what's in the food and all that. Um, You know, honesty is going to probably go a long way. Um, Yeah. But no matter what, if you have to be like transparent that your food is okay, that that's going to send a weird message. That's a hard battle. It's a tough marketing challenge. Yeah. The uh, other kind of interesting news this week to me was about humans versus AI, not quite to the Terminator level yet, but still we're getting there. Uh, Facebook 
firing all of its trending team, their journalists uh, kind of squad that they had. They dropped that on a Friday afternoon. So kind of hoping, I think not a lot of people would notice, but people sure noticed that the trending section at the top right of Facebook got pretty crappy pretty fast. Uh, and so you switch to whether you want to call it AI, which I know is not the most accurate term, but algorithmic about what people are talking about. For one, at the base level, it just got terrible. It was just you know, 7 million people are talking about this celebrity. No context, no nothing. And then within, what, 24 hours, a fake news article had vaulted to the top. Uh, it, did you guys uh, all use Facebook? Did you notice this shift? And did you even like what was there before? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really use Facebook trending topics. I, I find it's a bit hidden on the page, and it's it's not very... Prominent. I, I find uh, I'm on, when I'm on Twitter more, I, I see that those trending topics more. Maybe and both I'm, of them aren't the really great about conveying it in mobile either. You know, they, it's kind of hard to find on. I mean, on I wake mobile. up every day and look at Twitter moments. That's become like a ritual of mine, just to be like, what you know, in this cycle, what did I miss? What what's weird? What's irreverent? What's important? All these types of things. But yeah, now <laughs> Facebook. I mean, that's how I learned about. Fake news about Megyn Kelly, fake news or real news about a McChicken sandwich, which we may not want to talk about no, on no, air. Let's but, talk uh, about it. Do you want to talk, talk about McChicken? About Anybody? Yeah. Has anybody watched the McChicken video? If, you're, if your children are listening, now's a good yeah. time. <laughs> Turn <laughs> off. This is I've not, not a viral video that McDonald's put out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Alfred, tell us about the McChicken. Uh, all I know, all I have actually, in hand to God, the only thing I've seen is reaction to it. So okay. I piece so, together so, I mean, what's in the our, video. For our audience, this was a young man. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, let's just not mince words. He was having sex with a chicken sandwich. Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So he he pulled an American pie. He like took a movie idea from like 2000 and made it. A, I mean, a McDonald's thing. Put a fresh spit on it. <laughs> He's loving it. Wow. And yeah, and so see, seeing these things trend. Now, Twitter's always kind of been game. I mean, not necessarily gamed like this, but you know, you'll see stuff at the top of Twitter that makes it's hashtags that make no sense. It's things that you really, unless you click through, which half the time I don't want to. But it was really disappointing seeing Facebook moving away from curation, from human guidance, and from context, and just embracing. I mean, Alfred, you have Facebook up right now. Like, what are, what are the top trending things at the moment? Right now, we have Chipotle Mexican Grill. Apparently, there are. It's the main headline is Chipotle hopes to, hopes these freebies will get customers to bite. iPhone seven's trending. I guess that is that release is coming out soonish. Mary Shelley is trending for some reason. Right, so is Mark Anthony. Yeah. So big. Yeah, uh, Mexico City twenty twelve Benghazi attack. Attack. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. Sean Hill. Who's Sean Hill? I mean, right. so this is the point is just it's without any context. This just random words. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah. is trending right now. <laughs> I mean, they did this right to get to, because they were spooked by the, the the accusations that they were being partisan with yeah. their, with their human, which people. is a fair. So, you know, on the one hand, they're they're worried politically. On the other hand, they're using a computer that can't really do this yet. I, I think there are a lot of solutions to not being as we deal with as journalists every day. There's a lot of solutions solutions to not being completely one sided that don't involve firing your entire staff and replacing them with kind of idiot robots, but. It's certainly a trend, but I, I think what we discussed in our coverage this week is the fact that this is just another reason that brands and entities kind of need to be a little careful about embracing algorithms and AIs. Uh, 
it's still a little early. You've got the chat bot that Microsoft put out, Tay, that ended up becoming kind of a genocidal racist. And, you know, it's it's too easy to game these things. And again, I don't think people necessarily always intentionally do it, but it just highlights the, the vulnerability of it. So, you know, we are still definitely not in the kind of AI resurgence. Unfortunately, you need humans for a media company. Mm-hmm. So says the human working at a media company. Pretty Aren't much. you a little biased? Oh. There are a lot of terrible websites out there that end up making these things bubble to the top. But the other, I did want to mention before we moved past this is that today is the 219th anniversary of the birth of Mary Shelley. That's why that's tr- trending. So. Man, 219. Yeah. Such a landmark <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I, I've been watching, uh, uh, what's it called? The, the gothic horror, Penny Dreadful. Uh, is which that has good? A, it's all right. It's all got right. a lot of Frankenstein in it. Um, Wait, is that, that with Josh Hartnett? Yeah, he's really good. Okay. Um, he's a, yeah, he's kind of one of the surprises for me. Uh, also in TV news, not that, <laughs> not that Penny Dreadful is news. Uh, it's news that I'm finally watching it. Uh, so a few big uh, television things this week. Pretty Little Liars is ending, uh, which is heartbreaking for Tim. For my babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> you can't watch it with your with your three year old anymore. Um. The uh, And we'll talk about that a little more in a second, but then also Stranger Things is in the least surprising announcement uh, coming back for a second season. Uh, they've released a little teaser for it. It's going to take place a year after. Uh, they obviously, for you know, everyone who's watched it, I, without spoiling it for those who haven't, they certainly set up a second season pretty clearly at the end. And I think this was a no-brainer for Netflix. It also, because the like opening credits of Stranger Things uh became such a thing like people loved it so much the font and the sound and all of that it made a lot of sense that if they're going to announce that why not just like employ the easiest thing possible use your opening credits use that people like them which is fun. yeah it's a teaser can we talk about it for a second i have a question you said what? you don't want to spoil anything with this whole with the the culture of with the new binge culture everything out at once what is your threshold for like not spoiling something that came out two months like are the rules different because of that because of i mean i just tend to avoid talking about how shows end or the biggest twists in them i don't think it's uh, i mean i haven't watched house of cards Mm -hmm. like someday i might Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily want to know the twists uh and i like game of thrones i don't go around telling people who all got killed or what big twists but yeah, to me, it's just kind of a common sense spoiler thing is that, uh, you know, don't go around telling people who the who the killer ends up being at the end of a season of something. Um, but, you know, so with Stranger Things, I wouldn't want to say kind of how everything ends up being tied up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you can talk about a lot of that show without, you know, people getting, you know, without ruining the experience for people. That show is an experience. It's mm-hmm. just kind of taking a hot bath in the in 80s. You know, referential culture. Ooh, a hot. I've bag. only seen the first two episodes. Didn't catch it, or are you just? I'm uh, haven't quite gotten around to the third episode. I, it was I was very intrigued by the first two, but it's just been a logistical thing. Yeah. So episode does, two, I think, was my favorite. What was your favorite? Episode two. It's got uh, it, it's got a lot of references to the Gate, a uh, pretty obscure like kids horror movie from the '80s that I loved, and there's just so many so many references in there that. Or worth doing. I do want. I am not a fan of Pretty Little Liars. I don't think. I think I'm outside of their demographic. Uh, but that show has been kind of a fascinating phenomenon. You know, it's been running for seven seasons all told, seven years. 
uh, kind of broken up. They, they they tend to break up the seasons a little bit in weird ways. But that is it is one of those shows that changed the entire fate of a network, even more so than I would say a Mad Men or or a uh, or a Walking Dead. Bold statement. Uh, no, I mean because the, those that network hasn't changed its name. I mean ABC Family literally changed the name of its entire network because their demographic changed so dramatically over the course of Pretty Little Liars. Uh, last season, ABC Family became the number one cable network for women eighteen to thirty-four. Uh, and so that, that name, Family, no longer really worked for them. And so in the last year, they changed it to Freeform is the name of the, the network, which I don't think anyone loves. Terrible name. It's yeah. bad. Are there still Boy Meets World marathons on this channel? One uh, way to find out. No. I don't know. No. Man, the, that's uh, the only reason to watch. But, you know, setting aside the quality of, of their new brand identity, I think the, the it was fascinating example of, you know, a company kind of saying, whoa, we are changing. Uh, let's shift all the way. So they're pinning their hopes right now on a, an upcoming show uh, called Famous in Love with Bella Thorne, who's obviously been pretty hot lately. I mean, Bella Thorne is one of the people that, if you've heard the podcast Who Weekly with Bobby Finger and um, Lindsay Weber, it's it's a, it's a podcast that goes over, like, famous people, but... You, who are in headlines, but you don't know who they are. Like, she's one of those people that is featured on that podcast. Yeah, she's blowing up everywhere all of a sudden. Yeah. Snapchatting. She's everywhere, but yet, like, if you ask someone, who is Bella Thorne, why is she famous? You probably wouldn't get the best response unless you were talking to a teen. Who is Bella Thorne and why is she famous? (laughs) Apparently, I'm going to, I'm, like, inciting Bella Thorne to come and be, come to these Adweek offices. Yes. Get angry. Come and explain it herself. I've heard if you say her name three times, you summon Bella Thorne. So we just did it. That was the third time. Uh, that's it for news. Lots of other stuff. Check out adweek.com for uh, all your advertising, television, technology news. Lots more we could talk about, but instead I want to talk about ads. Tim, what are some ads that were worth watching this week? Ads worth watching this week. So I think, first of all, we should probably talk about the Spike Jones perfume commercial that everyone's buzzing about. I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's this three and a half minute uh, spot um, starring Margaret Qualley, who is an actress. She's the, the daughter of Andy McDowell, actually. Uh, she's also an actress. She stars as the daughter Jill on The Leftovers, which I haven't watched, but um, supposedly it was pretty decent. The second um, season is where it's at. And the brand is called Kins. Kenzo, Kenzo, and they, I've never really heard of them before, but apparently they're doing some interesting stuff with branded entertainment like this. And obviously Spike, um, Oscar winner, Spike Jones, uh, is one of those Hollywood directors who's done so many commercials over the years, uh, going back to Crazy Legs for Levi's way back in like 2002. He did the Ikea lamp commercial that Crispin did that won the film Grand Prix at Cannes. Uh, I think that was 2003. Hello Tomorrow for Adidas. I mean, his, he's done so many commercials, and he's one of those guys that seems to really love advertising. And I don't know. We may disagree about this, but I, th- I thought it was a great, uh, this new Kenzo spot was really fun and great. Margaret Qualley does an amazing job. You know, she's this actress who suddenly, she's, she's in this, at this black tie event, and she tears up watching something happening on the stage. It's all very mysterious, and she excuses herself to kind of go into the lobby of this some sort of performing arts complex that they're in and suddenly she just starts to go berserk and do these all these crazy dance moves and 
It even has sort of a sci-fi, weird sci-fi ending, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Now, Alfred, I know you don't think it gets uh, very high marks for originality, however. Well, I mean, so Tim and I both kind of love, I mean, I'm, I don't know if your opinions on Spike Jones. I love this guy. I've, you know, followed him for a long time, like what he does. Um, so I was jonesing for some Jones, am I right? Oh. Some new Jones. I was jonesing for some new Jones, but I got some old Jones. I got this, um, what reminded me of like an updated version of the Christopher Walken um, fat guys, fat boys, fat, fat guys, guys slim. slim. <laughs> fat boys slim. Fat boys. Is that who it was? It was yeah. Weapon, Weapon of Choice. Yeah. Weapon of Choice. Weapon of Choice. Weapon of choice. Okay. choice. The greatest video great of all time. Video. The greatest video of all time. So they were like, here, smell this perfume, Spike Jones. And they're like, what does it smell like? And he goes, well, mm, it reminds me of something I did a long time ago. I'm going to do that again, but I'm going to update it. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, right? And it just so happens that Annie McDowell's daughter is in it, right? So, I, I don't Are know. you trying to start a conspiracy yeah, theory? Like, like, I'm going to need a whiteboard. Exciting someone. Is that, yeah, that, that Annie McDowell's and Bill Murray's character lived happily ever after had this daughter, I don't know what I'm talking raised about. Raised by but, uh, Christopher Walker. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it The timeline been... actually works is a weird thing. <laughs> Groundhog Day was 93. Margaret Qualley was born in 94. Yeah, he was like, well, actually, oh. she was born in 94. I'm like, exactly. That's a year after <laughs> that, that would have happened. Um, I don't know. I, it, it still is a great spot. I think I'm, you know. So you so know. it's Jones being derivative of Jones. <laughs> of himself. Right. Yes. Which, I mean, this yeah. the, the weapon of choice thing was 16 years ago. Yeah. So I mean, the, kids, the whole generation the kids has now lived without. may not even know about Weapon of choice. Well, they should get that DVD immediately. Whatever that DVD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? The, the it physical actually, media. It's thing. crazy yeah. how similar they are when you really look at them. Yeah. It's it's a giant public space that he, you know, Walken is kind of dancing around, and then like three quarters of the way in, there's like a sci-fi moment where yeah. he suddenly starts floating around, and that's when Margaret's shooting off her guns and the her laser <laughs> guns in the uh, Kenzo spot. So yeah, it is. I mean, it's almost like I have to assume he's. But are there kinda... mirrors in in the walk-in one? Because that that was the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting. Does he lick a statue's one? face? No, <laughs> it's a different. Thing. Well, no. the The thing that I thought was really cool about this ad was the camera work. When you considered the fact that like there were a bunch of mirrors, and like that is that's not easy to like do that kind that's of camera true. work. That's true. With the mirrors, and that's the thing know. too. It may be derivative, but I really don't think he phones it in in any way. Like this is a this new film is pretty damn special. Yeah, and her moves are fantastic. I mean, part of the fun of Christopher Walken's video is that he's not dancing in any actual acrobatic, physically exertive way. He's just kind of shuffling up and down stairs and then occasionally flying. Uh, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great spot, but it's hard to watch more than thirty seconds of it without immediately thinking of Weapon of Choice. But right. I love Weapon of Choice, so if that's that's the worst thing that happened. And then Kenzo, they're they're having an, they're doing another short film. Yeah, they're premiering one that was directed by Carrie Brownstein uh, in early September. And you know, in January they had one directed by Sean Baker, who did the um, film Tangerine. That if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like it's it's a point of interest for this brand at the very least yeah and then that, that next one is going to be uh kim gordon's in it right of sonic yep. youth and uh mehershala ali who plays remy on house of cards is going to be in it natasha leone's going to be yeah, in it. The, this is the one directed by um carrie brownstein, carrie brownstein? Yeah. that's yeah. awesome they said that 
what they want to do is examine um, real life versus social media life with this one. So yeah, I saw it's called the realist real. Mm-hmm. Kind of oh. a takeoff on the internet. I mean, is anything real? Is there a difference? We're in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> what else uh, have you been watching? So the other campaign I wanted to mention briefly was this new Tic Tac campaign from the Martin Agency. Uh, you know, everybody loves the Martin Agency, Geico, everything else they do is amazing. Uh, this campaign is hilarious. It's called Little Adventures, and it uses the tagline, Go Little. Uh, and it basically, there are these little miniature scenarios uh, where Tic Tacs are suddenly these little adrenaline junkies in there. They're going over a waterfall in a barrel, or they're diving with sharks. They're jumping the Grand Canyon in a car. They're going to Mars. Uh, and they're done like these like little mini movie trailers. So the guy's like, in a big world, dare to be little. In a big world, dare to be little. Little Adventures. They're so well done. They're directed by this guy, Jeff Boddy, who... Um, he's with Hue and Cry, which used to be Martin's in-house production company. Now they've kind of spun them off. Uh, and, and Jeff Boddy used to work as an art director of the mill. And the detail on these ads is great. And the, and the sound design is fantastic. And, and there's these, you know, there's a sort of this trend towards um, humorous miniature spots. Uh, McCann did this great series um, for French Toast Crunch, the cereal. You know, and French Toast Crunch is like little French toasts that are tiny. So they made a whole world where they're normal size to these tiny people. And uh, it's a really fantastic set of spots. And, and this new Tic Tac thing is amazing, too. And the other thing I wanted to mention was the Volvo campaign from Gray, New York. Um, they've done a couple of interesting spots lately. Long-form spots with what they're calling nonlinear storytelling. So this guy, Matt O'Rourke, came over um, from Deutsch. Also, he's an ex-Wyden guy, too. And he came over to... Gray New York last fall, and he's been sort of spearheading this new approach to storytelling for Volvo, which is very sort of impressionistic and atmospheric and very cryptic. And the spots are very long form, and they started with this one called Wedding a few months ago, which was really, really interesting ad. You, you have to watch it a few times to really know what's going on. Uh, it's basically a father writing uh, a wedding speech for his son, and it's very, very you know, it's very interesting and it is very nonlinear and it takes a while to kind of put it together. And, and so the new one that came out this week is called Song of the Open Road and it's set to uh, the poem of the same name by Walt Whitman. And again, it's sort of, I don't think it's quite as strong as Wedding, but it's, it's, it's about a three and a half minute ad and it's really kind of uh, all these strange visions and, and it's a guy in a diner who apparently is having trouble writing and the, the waitress talks to him a little bit about writing. And, and it's interesting. Both of the spots are actually about writers and about writing. So in that sense, there's like this recursiveness to them. It's probably what the, you know, the, the writer on the spots was sort of obsessed with that idea. But for car commercial, it's very different. And I think it's, it, it's getting them some attention and uh, in a sea of sameness in, in the category. They're, they're pretty fascinating. Yeah, let's, uh, let's listen to some of that one. Afoot and lighthearted, I take to the open road. Healthy, free, the world before me, the long brown path before me leading wherever I choose. What I've really thought was interesting about this campaign is that it's gotten more buzz in just normal human circles, like outside of advertising. I've seen so many people talking to me, talking to each other, asking me as like the advertising guy they know, um, you know, what's with that Volvo ad? I, 
I don't know if I like it. You know what I mean? It's that kind of sign that they don't, none of them have been like, that's the best ad. But they're talking about it. They're wondering about it. They're rewatching it. They're debating it on Facebook. That's an accomplishment, period. Um, and I think it's one where no one necessarily openly hates it, but they they just don't know what to make of it. And that's not to say they're necessarily hungry for more and for it to keep coming out, but I think that's an achievement. Definitely. I mean, we, we spoke to Matt O'Rourke about this um, this week, and he said he's been getting, the feedback he's been getting is people saying, I don't get it, I hate it, and other people saying, I don't get it. I love my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Love it. All right, let's get to this week's big topic of discussion. We're going to get nice and meta this week. Uh, Adweek is doing a special feature on the site on adweek.com uh, called the New Golden Age of Audio. And it's been interesting. This is an idea we had been kicking around for a while. I think anecdotally, we all know that uh, podcasting, streaming music, uh, it's, a, it's a resurgence. What we were fascinated by is the fact that a few years ago, audio seemed, almost all things audio seemed destined for history. You know, they... The idea of physical media, of course, is going away. Podcasts were very niche and very uh, kind of just did not have that mainstream appeal. I personally think, although Serial gets all the credit for this and deservedly so uh, with a lot of it, I think it's also a technical issue. Vast majority of podcasts are listened to on iPhones through iTunes. They didn't even have a podcast app until 2012, and it was terrible when it rolled out. Uh, and then it didn't become part of the actual iPhone built-in iOS until last year. So I think personally, there's a reason why it suddenly seems like everything's blowing up. Uh, I got to talk to Ira Glass, uh, I think last year, and he made that comment that what a magical day where I no longer have to spend 10 minutes explaining how to find podcasts. That I can say, do you see that app on your phone? Click on that. Uh, and so there is a reason why this also is suddenly blowing up. Uh, but at the same time, it goes way beyond podcasts. Uh, it is, uh, like we mentioned, streaming music. Audiobooks are still growing at a time when even ebooks no longer are growing. So print books, of course, have been struggling for years. But audiobooks are the massively growing, growing on the scale of 20% a year in terms of sales. And the number of titles available in audio, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's staggering growth. Every year it's a tw you know twice as many, three times as many titles available in audio. I think the technology to sync that audio with books you're reading on your Kindle has improved dramatically. Uh, so we just kind of want to spend a little time talking about some of these topics that uh, we've gotten into. I want to start out by first asking you guys what are your favorite podcasts and, and why. I've been listening to Tomorrow with Joshua Chapolsky lately. Uh, he was like... I think he started it when he was at Bloomberg and has since 
taken the podcast with him. That's my guess. Um, I haven't gotten back to the episodes before when he was at Bloomberg. Uh, Reply All, I mean, uh, Death, Sex, and Money. I don't know. NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Um, Marin, of course. Uh, WTF with Mark Marin. Um, Anna Ferris started a uh, a Colin show, and I listened to an episode last week where Courtney Love was giving love advice, and was kind of like the worst and the best at it. I don't Gotta know. Hear it. Gotta it's, hear it. It's worth it's worth listening to. She is a an interesting voice too, Anna Ferris, doesn't she? It's like sort of this. She you would never never know it looking at her. Or maybe you would. I don't know, but it's it's a very like very quiet. Very oh, it's soothing. a comforting tone. It totally yeah. makes sense. <laughs> and for... she's giving everybody love advice. Yeah. And everybody's like, "Thank you, Anna." And she's like, "You're welcome." Though her name is Anna. I'm sorry. Anna's like, "You're welcome." <laughs> yeah. Alfred, what are your podcast um, go to? Um, I don't want to give my first one out because it's going to give all my fantasy football league mates a uh, tip off, but. You know, fantasy footballers podcast is my favorite thing in the world. I'm kind of addicted to those guys. Um, I, they're awesome. Um, uh, what else do I listen to? I I went through a giant um uh, this American Life phase. I mean, all the like top ten. If you go to the top ten, I probably listen to them all. Like I think I've listened to every single Radio Lab episode that there's been. Um, Wait, so are you saying your podcast taste is like basic? Is, yeah. that, is that what you're, <laughs> you're trying the Starbucks. To say? I have so. very basic podcast habits. It's true. Um, what else? What else is good? Like what? what's the show? The plan, Is there a Planet Money show? I've listened to that a couple of times. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, it's kind of like an embarrassment of riches now. Like, you know, you were saying two years ago, even one year ago, it was hard to find good things. And now it's just kind of, every, and obviously cereal, all these, you know, I am very much like a, like if there's a, a basic cable version of podcasts, I probably listen to all of them. The the interesting thing is I I used to really like panel podcasts like ours. I, I like that format a lot, but I definitely have a kind of a limit of how many of those I really want. It's because you're kind of committing to getting to know that group in a certain way, and you really have to care about the same things. Like I don't think this podcast that we're recording right now will be super exciting for people who don't care about advertising, marketing, pop culture type stuff that we cover. Uh, I don't expect it to appeal to everyone. And it's the same way with the podcasts I get really into. There's a video game podcast called The Giant Bombcast uh, from a site called Giant Bomb that's been around for ages. Um, they're a fascinating group, and you feel like you really personally, I, I feel like I've gotten to know them. It's three hours long, <laughs> uh, and I've listened to almost every episode. I, I don't always make it through all three hours, uh, but... What was interesting to me is one of the hosts died uh, very abruptly in his in his 30s, uh, Ryan Davis, and it was it hit me harder than I I'm not one of those people who gets upset when a celebrity dies or feels like no I knew that person like I was like oh Gene Wilder died that's that's too bad you know I I certainly don't feel you know it's just one of those things I don't feel that that kind of emotional sadness that a lot of people do but when he died it hit me really hard and I had to kind of ask myself why. And, uh, and it was because I'd been listening to this guy for three hours. I don't talk to my best friends for three hours a week. And yet I'd been listening to, he was the host of their podcast. Um, and then they did several podcasts following up, uh, you know, a lot of credit to giant bomb. They did a podcast that week where they recorded and it was some somber shit. I mean, it was heavy, but at the same time, they wanted to recognize that he was a really funny guy and they wanted to treat it with as much, but you know, I just remember, I'll never forget the end of that podcast. It's just a lot of silence of them just sitting around trying to figure out 
what to say. But, you know, that wouldn't have meant near as much to me if I hadn't been listening for years and years and years. Well, and I think what, what you're saying kind of gets to the both the challenge and the opportunity for brands in, in the space. Because um, you do. It's, it's a big time commitment. And actually, I don't. I, I'm probably the guy in the room who listens to the fewest podcasts. I've, I've, I went through a Kevin Smith phase, a Smodcast phase, which I, I think that guy was just made to be a podcaster. He's just a naturally funny person. I think he's probably 10 times better podcaster than he actually is a filmmaker, weird, weirdly enough. Um, and, you know, but I've listened to some radio shows. Otherwise, like I went through a long phase of listening to every Leonard Lopate interview. But that's, you know, that's a radio show. I don't know what the difference between a radio show and a podcast really is. But, um, but you know, these it, it, you do develop a certain amount of intimacy and immediate, you know, these things are so immediate. And you're, you're basically like, listen, it feels like you're listening in on a conversation. And for brands, you know, like that kind of long form storytelling like you know our story this week uh, about GE and and eBay kind of getting involved in this space you know it's hard to keep someone's attention for an hour or even a half an hour and that's what these things do and if you do it really well and and the brand's connected to it you know people are going to feel like a closeness to the brand if they feel a closeness to the hosts and there's some sort of uh, there's that sort of back and forth between the listener and, and the host and I think for brands it's an opportunity that video doesn't really offer necessarily. Uh, although there are some feature length films and documentaries that brands have been involved in. Um, but you know, TV spots, uh, text-based native advertising, none of this stuff really connects in the same way that someone putting on a pair of headphones and entering that separate world really does. So it's, it's pretty remarkable that it's only now sort of really Well, it's also funny that this is happening at a time where like Facebook says that they will, you know, it'll be all videos in within a year or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it, it, it kind of makes sense that if you're seeing video all the time and you're scrolling past it and it, you know, maybe that wouldn't be as impactful unless someone is telling you this story is weird. This ad is weird. You should watch this. Um, you see it posted or, or written about or heard about enough, then you're going to watch it. Whereas with, with you know the intimacy and and the i don't i don't know maybe just the the power of audio <laughs> there's there's something uh more impactful than a, a you know a tasty video that you scroll by in your newsfeed all there's, of those recipes they've also started you know facebook you've, I, I don't know if you guys have read the story recently they're, they're they're experimenting again with introducing not only autoplay but sound on versus sound off. Yeah, I don't know how that is, is going to pan Wait, out. What? Yeah. Um, yeah, auto, sound, silent autoplaying video is like the exact opposite of a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so I, what I think is the source of the power of podcast, because there are a lot of numbers out there, maybe this is spin from podcast companies, but that the ads on podcasts are so much more effective. You have better recall uh, than just about any other type of ad unit. I want to stop being told to buy a Casper mattress, though. I'm getting sick. What of about it. a Lisa mattress? What about there's like seven mattresses advertising on. The yeah, they we did a story a about all the mattress. Yeah, thing. they'll deliver them right to your door. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you guys, maybe you guys can explain to me though, like because I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'm wondering about consumer behavior and why they've become so popular. So, this is an hour. Do you do you do it while you're doing stuff around the house? Do you? set aside an hour and just sit in the living room and play it on the stereo? Yeah, so that's what I was about to say. So I think the power of of podcasts is that they are absorbing, they are uh, 
you know, immersive, but they don't require 100% of your attention. They don't derail your entire, uh, you know, experience. So this might be with video, especially long form video is that it's almost like putting on a VR headset. It is this, I've got to stare at this screen. I've got to listen. I've got to have my audio on. I've got to stare at the screen. I can't do anything else if I want to actually, because whoever made that video, they are assuming that you're both watching and listening. It's kind of like when I see people Snapchatting, talking to the screen. I'm like, I do not have my audio on. You know, don't make me turn my audio on. Um, and I think what podcasts offer is the ability to have that experience while you are working on a house project, while you are driving, while you are doing anything else, but it's still immersive. So you can't do that with an article. You can't do that with a video. It, it is kind of this perfect middle ground. And I think, again, to the point of I credit a lot of this to the technology. If we didn't have Bluetooth, if we didn't have iPhones, if we didn't have the kind of improved uh, apps, there are certainly great third-party apps out there, but I think until iOS really had a built-in decent podcasting app, uh, I don't think it was really possible for this to blow up on the scale it does. And and iTunes' monopoly of, of kind of, the, yes, people use Stitcher, people use some of these other services, but it is overwhelmingly iTunes. And it's something that they've really uh, taken ownership with. So I do think it's kind of a mix of it fills this perfect niche of the consumer daily experience of just how you live your life. It's a good point about the Bluetooth, too. I think that kind of changed a lot of things, especially in my, I can tell you just anecdotally, my day starts like I'll, I'll get in the shower of a little Bluetooth speaker. I'll, I'll connect that and I'll play my podcast, listen to that while I'm getting ready in the morning. And then as I'm walking out the door, I'll put my Bluetooth headphones on and press play again. And it starts right where it left off and I can just go and do my commute. I think it's different for a lot of different people. I used you know, to do it people. a lot on my commute when I had a commute. Yeah, yeah, when you're driving, it's a different thing. But yeah, for you, you know, who spends a lot of time at your desk at home or with, you know, taking care of kids, it might be a little bit hard to, you know, get all that together um but i think that's how a lot of people that's where it's kind of taken off is in the like weird commutey you know downtime personal time space or cooking cooking yeah that's why i started listening to cereal mm -hmm. trying to cook yeah well I, I remember i started listening to cereal because no one would shut up about it and there is a certain <laughs> amount of that the word of mouth about podcasts of it is still so much about you know, have you heard this? So Gimlet telling me we've got a new podcast and it's about this. That's a pretty good internal promotion, but it still doesn't mean as much to me as Alfred or Christina telling me. And I think even, did you start listening to Reply All because I told you or is yeah. it the other way around? But that, that happens a lot where like you and I tell each other about something and it's like, yeah. oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. And those become my addictions because I'm not going to tell you to listen to a podcast that's like, I wouldn't tell you to listen to Giant Bomb because it's three hours about video games. No. But, uh, you know, I certainly would tell other complete nerds like myself to, to check them out. So do you guys think that, so with branded podcasts or a podcast that a brand at least sponsors or contributes to, is it really just about slapping your name on it or is it sort of about telling stories that your audience cares about? I mean, I think eBay's handling it well of it's a podcast about building your business. Uh, they defined a, a limited number of episodes so that you were not getting in, settling in for an endless weekly thing. Uh, they're going. They are going to bring it back. Sounds like, uh, but you know, open for business was the name of the eBay series that they did with Gimlet. Uh, I've not listened to all of it. I've listened to some. I don't plan to open a business anytime soon, so I haven't really stuck with it. But I think for their audience, uh, these smaller entrepreneurs, that was a good fit. Uh, I think GE took a very different tack with, uh, and I'm blanking on the name of their show. It's oh a, man, uh, it was a. Uh, but it was more of a fictional 
serial story uh, that incorporated some of the technology that they use. Again, I've not listened to that one. I think one. it's called The Message. The Message. And it's gotten uh, a ton of download, I mean, a ton of attention. Uh, so that's, those are good examples. Uh, I think there are certainly a million bad ways to do it. There's a lot of programmatic options, too. You're hearing these, like, these cut, you know, cookie cutter. Uh, I know the ones that I hear typically are kind of, they are still a little bit targeted to a particular audience. Like in my fantasy football thing, it's like, here are certain brands that are advertising in this space, but they're not really integrating it into the story they're telling. Or maybe they will a little bit here and there. Well, um, if Casper was telling me like bedtime stories instead of in continually trying right. to be like, get your Casper mattress. This podcast host had a great time sleeping on that bed. I don't care. I don't care how you sleep. I, I you know, if Casper's going to give me some bedtime stories, I would listen to their podcast. Yeah, if the podcast put you to bed, yeah. put you right to sleep, Yeah. bingo. I don't know if I would buy a mattress. <laughs> I, I do think that I disagree in the sense that I, I don't mind the mix of advertisers, the nature boxes, and the whoever who've been. I'm a Casper-specific hatred right now because they're on every podcast I listen to. See, it's interesting because the ones I listen to are Lisa and one of the other brands. So maybe it just comes down to which ones you're kind of obsessed with or maybe it's targeting. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. They're hitting your a of, demo. A Blue Apron out there too. They really want you to buy their pre-made meals. Not doing that. They're not pre-made. Yeah, the meals. You know, I don't mind that mix. What I do think is I'm getting a little tired of the podcaster testimonial um, where it's I've been sleeping on this for the last blah, blah, blah. And I can't imagine living without my nature box stuff. I mean, that's it's effective, uh, and it was effective for a while. Now it's getting a little cheesy. And so you're seeing some, like Neil deGrasse Tyson never does those messages himself. He has his co-host, like Chuck Nice or someone, do that for him, like to be the the guy who puts himself out there as the the complete, you know, brand. Just like I'll throw myself in front of the brand bus. And, I mean, wasn't Stern doing that going back to like the 80s? Yeah. He sort of pioneered some of that stuff. About Snapple. Stern still makes headlines every once in a while for getting like a real, real good interview. You know, there was a big story in, uh, was it in the Times about Stern? Yeah, I think it was a How great of an interviewer he's become? Yeah. I wouldn't know. I don't listen to him either, but apparently he's a great interviewer now. Hmm. Anyway. uh, In addition to brand podcasts, I think the other big trend, way bigger than brand podcasts, is celebrity podcasts. Uh, And I feel like we are... While podcasting is probably going into a bubble uh, in the sense of there's just going to be tons of a glut of podcasts rushing to market, I don't think a lot of the ones launching right now are going to be around six months from now. I hope ours is. Uh, But I think the celebrity podcasts are not going to last. Because what you have is this first round, the pioneers of celebrity, and I use the term a little, more B-list celebrities. And it actually ended up being the best venue ever for them, right? So you got your Mark Maron, who I've been a fan of Mark Maron since I was, you know, a teenager. But this is the perfect vehicle for him versus a, you know, Comedy Central special. Uh, and this idea of turning comedians into interviewers, I think it's a little, like, self-serving, incestuous, where they all appear on each other's podcasts and they all promote their own podcasts on other people's podcasts. But it works because they are comedians. They have a natural banter. They have abilities. When you get into the Shaquille O'Neal's hosting and some of these other celebrities, uh, they I just a podcast Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, huh. um, and I think we're good. I think we are just at the beginning. I think you're going to see more and more. But what we've seen is a lot of it. Lena Dunham had one that only did six episodes. That may have been her her goal the whole time. Uh, the uh, Russell Brand 
did one, and for three months, three hot months, he was doing a weekly podcast, and then gone. It was all over, you know, three months in, and then he was out, which is a very Russell Brand thing to do. But then that stuff just kind of lives out there and looks a little silly when it's, you know, three years ago. It's like, here's our weekly podcast that we abruptly stopped doing because celebrities have other stuff going on. And when they see that they're not going to get the kind of instant gratification, much less the money that they're going to get by, it's an opportunity cost. That's two or three hours you could spend doing anything else. Not a whole bunch of money coming in for us. Um, Personally, I was hoping to get like a windfall of The good news is I'm going to give you 25% of the revenue from this episode. Yes. All right. So like a quarter? (laughs) Optimistically. (laughs) Uh. But yeah, I think that's a trend that's going to be over and done pretty fast, but I actually have a lot of confidence in podcasting sticking it out. I think this is going to be, again, maybe this is self-serving on my part and our part, but I do think that people who stick with it are going to be rewarded, that that everyone wants to be a serial, and when they're not, when they don't blow up out of the gate with 5 million downloads, I think they're going to be a little disappointed. I think the, the better ones are the slow burn where they just build their audience over time. And some of the ones I listen to, it's kind of funny because they started as an extension of a website, which you could argue we are kind of an extension of adweek.com. Uh, but, which is an extension of a print magazine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and which is an extension of the Scheinhardt Wig Company. <laughs> and Run by Roger Ailes. Yes. <laughs> not, not to run by Roger Ailes. Uh, and I... Uh, now you guys just derailed wherever I was. <laughs> <laughs> Success. See, um, no, but but some of these shows have have become uh, bigger than their original entity that they were supposed to be an extension of, uh, and, and so you know it's fascinating to see that they kind of realize at some point, oh, the podcast is what we produce, and the the website we ran is kind of secondary. Uh, the the other trend we're seeing, which we wrote about this week, is. Podcasts are really opening doors for lots of other things. Uh, college graduates are launching podcasts where they probably eight years ago would have launched a blog uh, to kind of prove their personal brand, prove their worth. They're doing that on podcasts now. We have an interesting feature about that trend. Uh, and then uh, we've got uh, podcasts opening doors for book deals, TV shows. Uh, you know, that's certainly Aaron Mankey uh, with Lore. Have, has anybody listened to Lore yet? Really, no. none of you? No. It's like the last three I Americans. think you've mentioned it. It's a, it is in the top 10, 25 podcasts. It won yeah. one of the best of iTunes last year. But it's just a guy telling folklore, creepy stories about Spring Hill Jack or about why we're afraid of, you know, certain... Well, fiction tropes. versus nonfiction podcasts. Like, mostly they've been nonfiction podcasts that have blown up, and now fiction seems to be like, let's, let's go there. Yeah. Let's get creepy. I'm not a fan of the fiction podcast because they just seem silly. Uh, Lore is uh, nonfiction, but he's telling stories that are probably fiction. But he's telling, you know, about why we are culturally obsessed with vampires or returning from the dead, uh, some of those. But anyway, pretty early into that show's run, uh, within a year, he was approached by one of the producers of Walking Dead. And they said, we want to make your podcast our next TV show. Uh, which was a huge opportunity. I don't think people should be banking for that when they launch a podcast, but that's a really good example of how you just never know. I mean, Aaron Mankey's passion for, he's just a guy who put out a show and was really obsessed with it, uh, and it and it really has opened up some doors he probably never could have seen possible. Well, that there's going to be a Gimlet media show <laughs> starring Zach Braff is a little, <laughs> a little perfect. You mean it, it is a TV show? Yeah. Yeah. 
So like yeah. not a podcast. This no, no, is a no, no. TV it's, show it's, based it's, on a podcast starring Zach Braff. It's a TV show starring Zach Braff based on a podcast starring Alex Goldman. I think it's Alex <laughs> Bloomberg. Bloomberg would no. watch. I would. Alex totally Bloomberg. Watch that. Yes, not yeah. Alex Goldman. You um, watch it? Are you not? You're not a big Zach Braff guy. I, I don't want to comment on Zach Braff exactly, uh-huh. but you know, <laughs> that's. I think a TV person. show based on something like Lore makes sense. A TV show based on a podcast, like a fictionalized TV show based on a podcast, that's weird. But hey, whatever works. We'll see what comes out of it. Any other thoughts on the golden age of audio? Check out adweek.com to see lots more coverage of uh, these trends in audio. We did not talk about streaming. One thing I wanted to hit up real quick was Discover Playlists, which we wrote about this week and got a lot of uh, readers really fired up. Uh, Spotify's Discover Playlists, Discover Weekly Playlists. They're great, but they disappear, and Mm -hmm. you can't access them again. It's up to you. you got to remember them. Spotify, what are you doing? Screen grab them. So you want, That's dumb. You, you want I don't want to have to screen grab everything and be like, okay, so this one song out of like the eight songs that they list, I like. Wait, so you can't capture them in any way? No, they don't no, archive. No, I tried. You can capture them. You can add them to your, to your own so you library. Can, you, you could manually put them all into a, a, a separate playlist if yeah. you had the desire to. Yeah, and so one of the women we quoted in our story this week, she was saying that even when she doesn't do that, she'll the song will come up somewhere else later, and she automatically remembers, oh, yeah, that was on my playlist. I need to go find that. Uh, that what I love about those playlists is that they tell me songs that I didn't know I loved, mm-hmm. and I really do. They put The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald on one of my playlists the other day. I have not heard that song in 15 years. Hmm. I listened to it three or four times. Yeah, so I didn't used to have this that genius function. Does they, do they still have that? That was downright genius when it worked it was the same that, kind of idea wait wasn't that we're talking about apple apple yes yeah. itunes there was there was a function where you would hit genius and it would make this playlist for you it always made the same playlist for me well yeah. maybe you need more music and spotify uh, there's a certain amount of rep, rep 100 gigs of music but man the the love the level of affection for these things is off the chart well, then you have like, I, I actually talked about this with a friend of mine the other day, and she was saying that she hates young people and how easy it is for them to find music now. Because like before, you know, it was it was a badge of honor to have been the person that went to a store to try and find this specific uh, album and, and, you know, like there was a real discovery to it. And by taking that out of it and making it simple, it's like, you know. It's too easy for the youngins. Well, now it's now what's weird is that they're also playing the major distributors against each other. Like, who was it that just uh, uh, Frank Ocean wasn't? Didn't he just With release specifically on Apple Music? Yeah. And then yeah. So now there's that's the war, and that's making it that that's making it hard for people too. Like, I don't want to set up a dummy account for Apple Music just to listen. No to Frank one Ocean. is going to subscribe to Title. It's not going to happen. Old I'm sorry, right. Jay Z. I actually Tiny use Apple Music, and I know, thought you were going to say Title for a second. I don't use Title, but this whole the whole Discover Weekly thing is pretty interesting because I think there is, it's curation, right? It's it's there's billions of songs and just a simple single thing. I think the biggest problem with Apple Music is there's so much curated for you. Like there's like f- you, you you go to the to the one the, the main section, and there's like here's 45 different playlists you could play for yourself. Well, no, just give me one, and that's that seems like what Discover Weekly is is more like. 
I mean, something like structural like that seems to be the, the solution to. You want less. I, I, I want a more simple structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, some of the tweets about it, we embedded quite a few in our story, but, and they based an entire ad campaign for Discover Weekly on this fact that they noticed, wow, people are really gushing on Twitter. But it was the easiest search I've ever done to find. Like I wanted to put in some recent tweets uh, that people have been, literally every, if you just search for Disco, you know, Discover Weekly, it's, you know, I feel like if Discover Weekly uh, proposed to me next week, I would say yes. And, you know, it's just all this stuff about people <laughs> just like, so they get me more than my husband ever will and these things. You know. I hate romance associated with brands. I love this brand more than I love a human being. I love this McChicken sandwich more than I love <laughs> I mean, clearly. <laughs> I think Crazy. that's a, a good place to end for the week. Uh, we love to get your questions and your feedback. So uh, send us a note to podcast at adweek.com or uh, just hit up at adweek on Twitter or wherever your fine social medias are served. Uh, we've got a few things uh, coming up soon. We've got our ad tech issue coming in print. Uh, and then next week's podcast, I believe, if all things work out, are going to feature our boss, Jim Cooper. Uh, and uh, Lauren Johnson, tech reporter, going to be talking about Demexco, a uh, mega conference coming up soon in Cologne, Germany, uh, which is a, a big deal. Tens of thousands of people, but a lot of people are under aware of it. So that'll be a fun one to talk about. And uh, that's, that's it for this week. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, if you like what you hear, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, if you don't like what you hear, just email us all of your complaints and we'll forward them to Alfred. <laughs> and you'll deal with it. I will tweet at you. And uh, the... Yeah, that's probably an ad. Music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was edited by Kevin Eck. Thank you, Kevin. And we will see you all next week. Bye.